0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative on a Tuesday evening. It's so good to be with you tonight. We have such an exciting show tonight. I have Erica Anderson here, who's written a great new book called Change from the Inside Out. Hi, Erica. We've known each other for way hey. too long, but oh, uh, it, it's been really good to know you Multiple over the years. years. Erica's is yes. an incredible speaker, a consultant. She helps executives in various fields through a lot of change. And that's what we want to talk about today. We're going to apply a lot of her teachings and learnings to the American problem of polarization. So Erica, it's great to have you here tonight. Tell us a little bit about your book. It's called Change from the Inside Out.
1: Yes, so as you know, Zev, I've written a number of books. This is the fifth book I've written. And every time I write a book, I really try to crack codes. I take a topic that's a complex topic that people are interested in, generally one that has something to do with leadership. And there's always a couple of questions I wanna answer. And the two questions that I wanted to answer, I think, are relevant to your viewers, your listeners. The first one I wanted to answer was, why is change so hard? Because mm. change is hard. Change <laughs> is hard. And why is that, you know? Mm. And we beat ourselves up about it, and we don't like it, and we try to pretend it's not hard, but it is. And I wanted to figure out why. And then the second thing I wanted to figure out is... How does an individual human being go through change, go Mm -hmm. through a change? What happens when we actually make a change? I thought that was important. And I felt if I could get some good answers to those core questions, that it would help me (laughs) and readers and leaders and the people that they lead everybody to be better at going through change to become more change capable as i say in the subtitle of the book so that's what i was trying to do in writing this book
0: it's a great book i really enjoyed it i mean it's geared for executives obviously but it's fantastically easy to access for anybody who's going through change whether it's personal change or as we are as a country going through Big national change. And that's what we'll be talking about in the next segment when uh, Erica and and I just ask you for your opinions and your questions. And we'll go through some of her strategies as to how to handle change in America. By the way, you should check out narrative.org forward slash TV, narrative.org forward slash TV. That's where you can find our new interactive player where you can do a whole bunch of things. You can ask uh, any questions. You can comment on anything you like on the little chat section on the right there. Uh, Feel free to ask anything you want as we go through the conversation. Plus, we're gonna ask you a quote of the day, or at least a poll of the day, which I am going to show you. Here's the poll of the day that we have for you? Do you have any friends on the other side of the political spectrum than you? The answers are none, a few or many. You can answer that poll if you go to narrative.org forward slash TV, where you have the interactive player, you'll be able to answer those questions over there. So head over to narrative.org forward slash tv answer the question about who you have on the friends on the on the political spectrum and where they are and we'll get to your answers throughout the show plus a lot more with erica anderson coming up but first let's do the starting block We begin the starting block today with new revelations from the new jonathan carl book he's the abc news white house correspondent the book is called betrayal the final act of the trump show it's really good and you should get it it's out today carl reports that former trump national security advisor michael flynn and former trump attorney Sidney powell tried to enlist a pentagon official to help overturn the election apparently Flynn made a frantic phone call to a senior Trump intelligence official named Ezra Cohen. We know him here on the show as Ezra Cohen Watnick, who previously worked under Flynn at the Defense Intelligence Agency and the National Security Council. Where are you? Flynn asked the DOD official who said he was traveling in the Middle East. Flynn told him to cut his trip short and get back to the United States immediately because there were big things about to happen. Big things, eh? According to the book, Carl writes that Flynn told Cohen, we need you, and told the DOD official that there was going to be an epic showdown over the election results. Flynn, according to the book, urged Cohen that he needed to get orders signed, that ballots needed to be seized, and that extraordinary measures needed to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the election. As Flynn ranted about the election fight, Cohen felt his old boss sounded manic. Carl writes in the book, he didn't sound like the same guy he had worked for. Well, that's pretty stunning revelations there from the Carl book. You must read its betrayal. It's out now. We'll continue to follow the allegations and revelations in its own narrative. In other news today, the jury began deliberating on Tuesday for the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. The case went to the anonymous 12-member jury selected from a total of 18 possible jurors. In an unusual move, Judge Bruce Schroeder allowed Rittenhouse to pick the final jurors from a raffle drum. Yes, a raffle drum, and go ahead. Why don't you pick your own jury? That task is usually performed by a court clerk, not the defendant, and we'll be watching that interest. And as soon as a verdict comes out, you can show that the next narrative will have extensive coverage of everything that'll be going on there. Speaking of jury selection, a pool of prospective jurors for the criminal trial of Ghislaine Maxwell was questioned by a federal judge beginning today. That's two weeks before Maxwell's criminal trial is set to begin. Maxwell, a one-time companion of deceased sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, is facing a six-count federal indictment alleging she conspired with Epstein and aided his serial sexual abuse of minor girls between 1994 and 2004. She's pleaded not guilty to all the charges and will continue to follow that case on Narrative for You right here now coming up next my friend erica anderson has written the most incredible book about change and she's here to talk about change how to start it from the inside out and we'll talk about that with her in a special edition of a town hall we're calling how to repair polarization in america that's next on narrative thank you for supporting narrative and for supporting our sponsors if you're a regular viewer to the show you may have noticed i wear similar things every day that's because i can be sure it matches everything else i'm wearing Now I can stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear system. The Daily Wear system is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics, and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos, to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear, and beyond. Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress, for work, leisure, and play, or wherever your holiday season might take you. I'm wearing the Ace sweatpants right now. It's available in a variety of colors, and don't get misled by the term sweatpants. These are structured and tailored and can easily be worn to informal meetings and also on travel. I've also opted for the Pima long sleeve t-shirt. The Pima cotton is really soft and you can wear it on its own or with a blazer. Again, everything is made to match and it comes in black too. That saves me time and I can focus on the things that matter, like the news. All that by wearing Mack Weldon's daily wear system. Buy Mac Weldon or products from the Daily Wear system this holiday season for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash narrative, that's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, and enter promo code narrative. That's MacWeldon.com slash narrative, promo code narrative, for 20% off. Mac Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. And uh, radically efficient producing here, (laughs) there is Erica Anderson. It's so good to have you here, Erica, the author of the book, Change from the Inside Out. You know, the reason I really wanted to have you on the show is not just because you're brilliant and so effective as a coaching consultant and also an incredible author in your book. It's really that I'm a little distressed about America right now. You know, I, you know, yes. we've been hosting the show for a few years now and it's seems like the division and the polarization seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. There's a, you know, just a a tangible and you can feel in almost everything that there's a division that seems to be getting wider and wider. And there's a study that was recently done, what's been done over the last 20 years about how divided America is really becoming. And since 1994, which I think is when you started your company, that division has increased dramatically. You can see how the median Democrats and the median Republicans have just moved apart from each other. This is based on a 10-point value scale that Pew Research does. It doesn't seem to be getting better in 21 entering 22. That division seems to be getting even wider. And that, to me, is very worrying because how do you solve the American problem without having people on the same set of values? And it occurs to me that you are one of the perfect people to talk to about how you can do that. How do you bring everyone together onto the same page?
1: It's an obviously a huge question and involves a lot of things that we're not going to talk about tonight, but what we can talk about is how individual people can make it more likely that they can find common ground with people who have different perspectives and therefore come to some conclusions. It's the core of any good negotiation strategy, and one of the reasons that, well, let me go back to what I said about what I was trying to do when I wrote this book. One of the first things I want to do is figure out why is change so hard? Why is change hard for us? And so I'm saying this, this might be helpful as context. I started thinking about how different our lives are now than they have ever been at any previous time. hundred years ago, 500 years ago, thousand years ago. If you think even a hundred years ago, a person's life stayed very much the same throughout his or her life, but also the same as the parents and grandparents. I mean, If someone was a farmer, it was likely that his sons were going to be farmers and daughters. If they lived in a certain place, they were going to stay in that place. If they went to school, they would go to the same school that their grandparents did. You know, our lives up until very recently, even when I was a child, I write in the book this example of when I was a little kid, we got a television set. And then 10 years later, we got a color TV set. Even 50, 60 years ago, changes were very stately kind of, you know. And now those same level of of change, of innovation, of black and white to color TV happen daily. Our lives are much more changing than they ever have been. And so this history of not change, it has made it so that when a change comes at us, we perceive it as dangerous. Mm-hmm. We perceive it as threatening, right? right? And we're wired from thousands of years of human history to think of sameness as safe and change as dangerous. That's normal. So when change comes way it's normal, it's been yeah. the way it is. So now we need to rewire ourselves to become what I call change capable, to think of change initially as neutral, start mm. out thinking of it as neutral so that we can be open to seeing whether or not it's positive. So I look at this polarization and I feel like what's happening is we look at people who have very different ideas than we do. Mm-hmm. And the idea of coming closer to them is a change on from either side and it feels dangerous and threatening. So we dig in our heels and we stay in our corner and look at these other people and say they're dangerous, they're threatening. We need to not c- come to where we can talk and see how much overlap there is. We need to get rid of them. We need to overcome them. We right. need to Excise them,
0: you know. And why is that? Is that because we're worried about there being a scarcity of things that you know their power is limited or that economic resources are limited? do are we? we no, tend to I, I think others? it's
1: deeper than that, Zev. Mm. I think it's just this very deep historical, you know. 200 years ago, most change was dangerous. Mm. Changes were things like there's a famine or, you know, there's a plague or there's a war. It was dangerous. And it was the safe bet almost always to come back to a previous known, a previous Mm. known condition. And so that's deep in our wiring. So I feel like the only way for us individually to guess past this polarization is not automatically assumed that the other who represents change is bad and terrible. Mm. Now, a thing that is really making it difficult is bad actors, from my point of view, on both sides of the aisle, left and right, are ramping up that fear, are really playing into our fears and telling us that, yes, everybody on the other side of this question, this divide, is bad and evil and is trying to hurt you is dangerous. And I think that just ramps it up.
0: You're so right about the external forces that are impacting our polarization, because we've seen it, obviously, come from foreign countries. But some of that has now been adopted by people in America, the same strategies. And no matter what it is, whether it's immigration or vaccines or any number of issues, there's always a polarized take on it. There's always, you know, the the two sides could not be further apart than they are on so many of these issues. But that seems to be stoked by people externally, that it doesn't seem to be very natural what do you do about yes. external uh, you know forces like that that are stoking up this polarization
1: you know it may sound um i've been <sighs> I remember my very first book came out 15 years ago, Mm. and it had a very positive review in the Harvard Business Review, but the person who reviewed it said, Anderson is a relentless optimist, and (laughs) I don't think he meant it as a compliment, so I know I can be very optimistic, but I feel like we can take back our own minds. (laughs) We can say to ourselves, okay, that person, even though they're on my side of this debate, they believe in vaccines and they... they're trying to stoke my fears. They're trying Mm -hmm. to make me fear and hate the people who don't understand and don't want to take vaccines. And so you can just take back your own mind and say, okay, I don't want to fear and hate those people. I want to figure out why they think that and maybe we can have a real conversation and maybe we can affect each
0: other. It's easy for, uh, you know, we think that we're so reasonable on the left side of the scale. We think the people on the right are so unreasonable. In reality, everyone is sort of on the same kind of page at the end of the day everyone's defending democracy I really believe that you look at the entire spectrum yes. and the people on yeah. the right are as determined to defend democracy as the people on the left so it's not yes. like they're rushing into autocracy blindly they think it's a defense of democracy um, now that means that's that that's
1: exactly right and, yeah. and I want to pick up on that you yeah. and I were having a conversation before we started and I've been coaching an executive who is very very politically conservative mm. and I told him at the beginning of our engagement that I'm not that I'm really progressive. And a lot of my ideas he wasn't going to disagree with, I mm. mean, he wasn't going to agree with, and but that I would be happy to work with him if he was okay with that. And he said, fair enough, let's give it a go. And after about three weeks of working together, he said this thing to me, which you will all think is funny. He said, you know, Erica, you just seem so thoughtful and practical and open-minded. I can't believe you're a liberal.
0: Mm. <laughs> Right, and I was just,
1: my mind was blown, you know, and I, and I laughed and I said, you know, I was thinking the same thing about you. You care about your people and you want to be a good leader and you're practical and thoughtful and you listen to my ideas. I can't believe you're a conservative. Right. And it made us both realize that we had come to this belief that, that people on the other side of the question, whatever the big questions are, are bad people. Right. Some of them are, but most of them aren't, (laughs) you know. Yeah, and some of them been misled.
0: Some of them have been misled, but I really don't believe that there's that much on a core value system basis. Americans are Americans, and they tend to think very similarly. So it's weird that in the last few years, we've seen so much of this division occur. And most of it, I really do believe, comes from... You know from the sort of external uh, forces that are dividing us there's some interesting yes. comments on the chats as as we've been talking so let me pull some of them up chopin's heart says both parties have to agree to come to mediation where they find common yes. ground can you imagine these two parties yes. actually coming yes, to mediation yes, yes. i'm not sure they would yeah. but it's possible he has another so I don't even- can
1: i talk about that for yeah a minute, of course Go ahead. Seb? because i think uh, one important thing about when we help organizations do change is that finding that common ground exactly as this person says it's Mm. like okay so you don't think this change that we're trying to do in the organization is a good idea are there any parts of it that you think are good Mm. right and when you find that, it's like, okay, so we both think thing, A, B, and th- the fact that we're doing this change and it might make it easier for customers. Okay, great. The fact that we're doing this, okay, let's start with that common ground and then let's look at our differences from that point of view. And if you can start by finding any kind of common ground, I mean, what you said earlier, we both love this country. Wow, mm. that's huge common ground. Mm. Okay, so then what it comes down to, this guy who's become a friend of mine that I'm coaching, he's a libertarian and I'm a died in the world progressive. And we both really want America to work. Mm. We just, what we've come to understand is we have completely different ideas about how that's going to happen. It's not that one of us hates America and one of us loves America. We just have completely different ideas about what's going to work. Now that we know we have some common ground, we can share information. And I think we're changing each other's minds in some ways.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, here's another comment from Julio who says, my problem when talking to my right-leaning friends is because we do not agree with the facts, therefore we can't have a conversation. That's a real problem, isn't it, that the set that of facts don't concur.
1: Yeah, that really is a problem. And and I've seen this with some of my friends who are right-leaning as well, that And one thing that I do in any change, this is really critical, is listen to them very, very carefully Mm -hmm. because underneath their facts are assumptions. They're making assumptions about things and they pull these facts, which are often not facts, to support that. So I really try and get underneath their facts to see what they're assuming. And then sometimes I can kind of unhook them from their assumptions.
0: Right. Y- so what's you know the difference what I mean? between their assumptions and their facts? Because the facts are, you know, vaccines work, but their assumption is that vaccines can also maybe cause long-term damage or, or are not tested or might be a means to survey them or monitor their every move. Like that's Those are assumptions. We both agree, and now, I think, uh, that they work.
1: Yes. Well... Maybe, but even underneath that, like, oh, you know, Bill Gates is trying to follow you, you know, whatever. Underneath that is they're just afraid. Their Mm. underlying assumption is this is a scary thing that I don't know enough about. Now, I can buy that assumption. It is a scary thing, Mm -hmm. and we don't know as much about the vaccines as we would if they'd been around for 10 years. And so if you can get down to that underlying assumption, I've actually had this conversation with somebody. It's like, oh, okay, so this just seems a little dicey to you even though there's been a lot of research it hasn't happened for a long time and for a long time it was just an emergency use authorization that seems scary to you that doesn't feel safe to you mm. and the person said yes
0: so it's and the I fear say, okay it's the fear
1: yes we're coming yeah. down
0: to the core thing about where both sides i should say are scared of what might be next are scared of the change are scared of what the other side that's exactly is bringing right up. so you tackle that another in the book thing I'll sh- a lot. oh
1: sorry yeah, yeah another thing i'll share with you mm. from the book is that when I really wanted to understand what any of us goes through when we go through a change, what I came to through observation and then talking to a lot of people and gathering a lot of data is that when a change comes at us, especially if it's a real change, if it's different from what we've heard before, like if you're talking to somebody on the other side yeah. of the aisle, we first, and this is a protective mechanism, our first impulse is to think of that change as being difficult difficult costly and mm. weird.
0: Difficult, costly, and weird. That's our first reaction.
1: Weird, yes. yes. And that's different from what, right? And difficult means I don't know how to do this and other people are going to get in the way of me doing it. It's just hard. It's just there are obstacles, right? Right. Costly, and this is really important when you think about masks and vaccines. And Costly means it's going to take from me things I value. hmm. Right? And that's not, I mean, maybe time or money, but more importantly, identity, reputation, power, relationships. Mm -hmm. It's going to take from me who I freedom, right? These important things I think it's going to take from me. And weird just means strange. This is not how we do things around here. Right? Right.
0: So those are three things that begin to affect the first reaction you have is those reactions to anything coming at you that might be terrifying or different or, okay. So, what and then about think
1: about it. If they, so you have that reaction. So I'm someone who just, you know, somebody says you got to get a vaccine for this weird disease that maybe because of what's normative in my I don't even think it's that bad. Maybe it's no worse than the flu, right? Mm. People are telling me, I got to have this vaccine. I got to have this vaccine. Well, that seems difficult and costly and weird. And then if what you hear from people is you better do this and you're a bad, un-American person if you don't do it, Mm. that just makes you dig in your heels. Well, it's probably even more difficult and costly and weird than I thought it was, right? Right, right. (laughs) Because when we do make a change, it's when our mindset shifts from difficult costly weird Two, maybe it could be easy or at least doable could be rewarding could be normal but when we're polarized like this we don't help each other make it through that shift we make each other dig in right to that you know what you think I should do is difficult costly and weird
0: so this mindset shift is really important we basically it's at
1: the core of it
0: Tell us a little bit about. It. You've explained it a little bit, but let's let's really pause and and spend some time on this idea of how do you shift your mindset from that fear based mindset okay. yeah. into something yes. much more neutral or positive.
1: Yes. Okay. So you know this, Zev, because we've talked about this mm-hmm. for years. But I am thrilled to tell you <laughs> that it is possible to change how you think, to think about how you think, and to change it. Mm-hmm. Right. We know this is true. So, one thing I'm sure all of you are aware of is that you talk to yourself all the time. We all talk to ourselves inside our head. It's like the little guy run that runs at the bottom of the news. You know, right. we just have a continuous monologue running about everything.
0: Mine's very loud. And some
1: of it's, yeah, everybody's is very loud. Most of it is fairly benign. It's things like, I like oranges. That guy has a big nose. You know, whatever, mm. whatever, whatever. These shoes hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. But some of it is not benign at all. Some of it is this kind of stuff about change. Oh, what that person wants me to do is going to be difficult and costly and weird. Oh, and how can they think that? And they're so bad and they're so temporal? Well, you can notice that and you can shift it. When someone proposes to you something that's different than what you think and you notice that your first reaction is, oh, that's going to be hard and weird and I don't know how to do it. You can think to yourself, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. All right, let me think for a minute how could this be doable how could this be easy what rewards might there be in this for me how could i make it normal how could it become normal you can start to ask yourself those questions and that's a it's like priming a pump that's a a prompt for you to begin to think so you
0: actually have to intervene in your own thoughts you have to realize yes. that you're thinking a certain way and have an intervention with yourself like take a pause exactly. ask yourself the questions you know, can I think about this differently? Is it possible that this is is something that could be useful to me, could be something positive for me? At least get to a neutral point of view, and it's you're listening carefully. Yes. Otherwise, you're prejudging. Yes, that's
1: exactly right. And the beautiful thing about this, it's kind of like, you know, that thing they tell you on airplanes, put on your own mask before attempting to help others, right? Right. So if you learn how to do this yourself, the more you do it, the more you realize, oh, this is possible. I can put myself in a neutral frame about change about a new idea about something different that's coming at me and once you're in a neutral frame you can start to listen and then you can really decide whether or not to move whether or not this is a good thing
0: so what you're saying is you got to listen to the other side and think about their position as being possibly positive or at least neutral that's very hard to do when you're looking across the political um, spectrum there and your friends are talking to you about something that's completely you know out of this world like You know the vaccines are going to land to being a surveillance state or whatever Bill Gates is trying to do. I mean, you you can't possibly think that that's going to. I mean, maybe you got to get to a point where you're neutral about it, but boy, that's a hard place to get to when you've got so much division going on.
1: Well, and that's why it's really helpful to think. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. To them, you know, this is the essence of empathy. Mm. You you think to to them, this is not crazy. To them, this seems easy, rewarding, and normal. Why, why right. do they think that? What's making them think that? Oh, they're afraid. And underneath most resistance to change is fear. Right. If I'm talking to somebody who is on the opposite side of any of these questions, and I realize that they're afraid, they're actually afraid of what I'm saying, Mm. then that helps me to be empathic and to start to try to understand where they're coming from and look for those common points so that we can have a real conversation.
0: Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism, patreon.com forward slash narrative.